I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You wanna borrow the new car? You wanna borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy, super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey, hey, can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Hmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Money really does grow on trees. Men of the house, we honor you. Let's honor our men. Could you do that? Man, guys are amazing. Hey, North Park family. Why do uh, you never see elephants hiding in trees? Because they're really good at it. That's why. It's good. Why can't dinosaurs clap their hands? They're extinct, that's why, yeah. I heard Arnold Schwarzenegger is um, going to be starring in a new movie about classical music. He'll be Bach. He'll be Bach. That's a good one. What did one nut say while chasing the other nut? I'm a cashew. I'm a cashew. <laughs> to every dad who knows how to tell a good joke, man, I honor you. I honor you, man. We've been in a series over the last um, couple of weeks called Better Together, Better Together. And, and we truly are better together. If there's anything um, that we've learned in this series is that we can do more together than we can ever do on our own. And there's one verse of scripture in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, that says this. It says this, iron sharpens iron. The New American Standard Version puts it this way. So one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I don't know what it is about us men, but somehow we feel like we got to do it on our own, right? We got to fix it. We, we got to make it happen. And, and if we were to actually admit to somebody else that we needed help, no matter what the issue is, then somehow that is to admit that, that we are weak, that we, we are weak. 
I think probably one of the weakest moments I, I ever felt, I opened the front door of our townhome when we lived in a townhome, and, and, and as I opened it up, there was a snake that was just kind of coiled up on the, on the front stoop. And uh, living in, in the city, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have, you know, anything to, to kill it with, you know, like a machine gun, you know. And, and so I, I kind of tiptoed around it, and, and I had just a real manly neighbor, you know. And what that meant was he hunted and fished a lot. And so I thought, if anybody's got something to kill this snake, it's, it's my neighbor Chris. And so I walked over, and I knocked on Chris's door, and he came out, and he said, Hey, man, there's a, there's a snake out here on, on, my, on my little porch here. Can, can you bring something? something out and, and let's kill it. And, and he walked out and he saw the snake and he went, oh, no, 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 we don't want to kill that. That's a good snake. Like that's a black snake. He'll eat all the bad stuff. We don't want to kill him. We just want to let him be. And I said, obviously I have gone to the wrong neighbor. And so I went to the other neighbor and I knocked on Mr. Steve's door. He came out and we killed a snake. In that moment though, I felt so weak that I couldn't deal with this on my own. But I can't tell you how many times in my life that I've had to reach out to people when I didn't feel like I could do it on my own, whether it's raising kids or being the man that God's called me to be or being the father God's called me to be, the husband that God's called me to be, He's just the follower that he's called me to be. And I've learned to live out this verse of scripture that iron sharpens iron. And so we as men of God, as we stand up to be the spiritual leaders of our home, to be the spiritual leader of our church, to be the spiritual leaders of this community, we need one another. We truly are better together. But if you look at this iron sharpening iron, this sharpening process takes time. And it takes some tension and it takes some, some friction and it's not an easy process, but it's an absolute necessary process if we're going to be effective. Now here's what Proverbs 14 and 26 says. It says, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children, it will be a refuge. Let me read that again. It's powerful. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children, it'll be a refuge. I'm honored today to have my mom and my dad um, in the house. And, and what I've learned in 43 years of living on this planet is that, that I have the wonderful privilege of following in the footsteps and an amazing man as he follows Jesus. And because of his fear of the Lord, he's created a refuge for his family. I, I think about my dad often, and one of the things that I often say about my dad to describe him is it's, it's never been um, that difficult to understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. I didn't say it's not been difficult to follow Jesus. Those are moments that we struggle on our own, right? But to have that example and see what that looks like, it's never been very difficult because as I followed my dad, I've watched him as he's followed Jesus. It's made the journey a lot more enjoyable. It's made it a lot easier to know that I have a refuge because of a legacy in the father that I have who is a spiritual leader of his home, his church, and his community. And so I couldn't think of a better man to bring into our house today to help us understand what it means to be men of God than my dad. Would you give him a hand as he comes today? Yes. I love you, Dad. He looks good, doesn't he? 
<laughs> yeah, have a seat. We, we pulled up to my neighbor yesterday who uh, hadn't, hadn't seen my dad but one time. It was really funny. We pulled up, and he was sitting in the passenger seat, and I was in the driver's seat. And, and uh, we just rolled down the window, and, and my neighbor, she said, that has got to be your dad, right? That's got to be your dad. And people say we look alike a lot, so I get my, my good looks from my dad, right? So I'm thankful. Um, dad, I'm glad you're here. It is just so good to be here. I can't, I can't even express how wonderful it is to be here with Anthony and Mary Ann and Blair and Micah. And, uh, man, we really slept good last night. <laughs> it, was, it was just great. Uh, I, he was talking about, you know, we'll just sit up here and talk this morning. And I was, as I was sitting there, I got to thinking about it. Now, he thought I couldn't stand up for 30 minutes. <laughs> We were going to use stools. I was worried about the stool for 30 minutes, but other than that, we're good. <laughs> Actually, Hunter was worried about the stool. <laughs> but it is, it's just a tremendous joy to be here. And, and thinking about Father's Day, can I, can I go ahead and Whatever you want to say. Uh, just thinking about Father's Day, you know, I'm, in fact, I'm glad you asked me what was my favorite Father's Day. Uh, Looking back over my life, and of course, I've got a long ways to look back, uh, but as I look back over my life, I think probably June the 16th, 1957, was probably my favorite, all favorite of all the Father's Days that I have had throughout the years. Uh, got home on Saturday night, and it was on the 15th, and uh, I'd worked all day, and I was tired, and I thought, boy, I'm going to sleep late in the morning. And uh, so I got home, and my wife was saying, I'm in labor. I said, you in labor? <laughs> I, I, I wanted to say, can't you wait till in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> I was tired. But we ended up going on over to the hospital, and two minutes till 7 the next morning, June the 16th, 1957, our oldest son was born at two minutes till seven. All right, so let me get this straight. So your favorite Father's Day was the day my brother was born. Well, he was born on Father's Day. So that wasn't your favorite day. I'm saying Father's Day. All right, my day. bad. Okay. okay. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> but... But that, that was just a great day. Uh, in fact, all that night, Saturday night, I, this was my first one. Uh, I was 18 when we got married. She was 17. And so at this point, I was 19 and she was 18. And, and both of us were still teenagers. And we were having this little baby boy that was born into the home. And, and I was so excited. And just all night, I had to walk, just kind of pacing up and down. But when he was born the next morning, uh, all my family had come up that night, uh, my mom and my dad and all of my brothers and my sister, and, and uh, I think all of her family just decided they would wait until after it was born and find out. But anyway, all of my family was there, and, and we were just, just couldn't hardly wait till that little baby got here. And so after he got there and all different ones started going home and leaving, and, and I knew she was tired and she needed some sleep, and so... I left and went on back, and I hadn't had any sleep either. But man, I had to tell it to somebody. 
And, and I was riding along, and I got over to Selma, and, and there was a house where a lady was in the front yard, and I worked at the grocery store at that time. And she, I, I just pulled up in front of the house, and I said, hey, we got a little boy baby. And, and I had to tell that I was excited. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, that, if I had to pick out a favorite Father's Day, it would have to go back there. Of course, uh, two years later, we... Uh, had a little girl to come along in 1959, and then in 63, we had another little girl came along, and then in 67, we had another little girl come along. So, so now we have three girls and one boy, and, and so this went on for uh, about seven years, and uh, almost seven years, and so we got to talking long in the latter part of 1973, early part of 1974, that, you know, it'd be nice if we had another baby, wouldn't it? And, uh, you know, we had four, and, and of course, that he was, first one was born when we were just teenagers, and now fast forward on for, for quite a few years. And so we knew we were getting down kind of to the end of that time when we were going to be able to have children. And so we decided we would have another one. And so... Since we had had three girls in a row, I figured it was going to be another girl. So we had picked out Amanda Michelle. So if he had been a little girl, <laughs> this would be Pastor Amanda and Michelle. I mean, <laughs> Amanda Michelle. Man. But then we did pick out a boy's name, Anthony Harrell. And, uh, Thanks for telling my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to tell him that because I'm William Harrell. That's right. That's right. But anyway, that, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> so that was the greatest day. So that was the greatest Father's Day. That was the greatest day. Father's Day. Yeah, Father's yeah, yeah. Day. yeah. <laughs> so I've shared your story of accepting Christ in your life. Why don't you share your story about you accepting Christ in your life? You probably tell it better than I do. But talk about how you found Jesus and why that was so important for you. Uh, let, let me tell you just a little bit about before I got saved. Uh, you know, I, I was raised in a home. I, I talk about fathers now. I had one of the greatest fathers there's ever been, and I mean that with all of my heart. He was he was a Christian when I was born. My mom was a Christian when I was born, and so it, it's hard to talk about one without talking about the other. And uh, but we were always we we always went to church. We we'd never go and say, oh, "Are we going to church tonight on Wednesday night?" or Sunday morning or Sunday night, you know, we'd never go and ask that question. If we were going, we knew we were going. And, uh, but somehow or another, uh, I lived my life on through there, and I, I didn't accept the Lord and was not living according to the way that I knew that you're supposed to live. As a Christian, I knew about the Lord. I knew that there was a Jesus. I knew he was the Son of God. I knew there was a God. Uh, I knew there was a heaven. I knew there was a hell. There was no doubt in my mind I had a head knowledge of all of this, but I didn't have a heart knowledge. And so uh, we got married, and, of course, at, at a young age, and, and I had kind of got away from the house. And, of course, uh, Dad, I, I respected him tremendously. He was, he was one of them that always smiled, always smiling except, well, I've saw him a few times when he wasn't smiling. 
In fact, when mom came, he, he came through the door after coming home from work, and, and, and mom said, Gardner, did you know you had boys big enough to smoke? He said, he said, no, which ones? It was five. I was five boys, one girl. And uh, she said, no, which ones? And he said, uh, she said, Bill and Leonard. And he looked at us. And so I knew it was coming. I didn't know just what part, what, what point it was coming. I knew it was coming. And so, uh, but the problem when we got caught, Mama caught us. And uh, she asked us, said, what are you boys born, doing out at barn? And I just said, well, let me roll in the house. I'll be back in a minute. I run in and brush my teeth. <laughs> and Leonard went on out there, and, and uh, he, he told her we were out there smoking. And uh, he said his conscience was hurting him. <laughs> my conscience wasn't hurting me. <laughs> and when she asked me, what, what were y'all doing? I said, we were just talking. And she said, uh, weren't y'all out there smoking? I said, no, ma'am. She said, Leonard's already told me y'all were. And he said his conscience was hurting him, and he had to tell him. And so I said, well, he might have been my sure didn't. <laughs> well, when Daddy come through the door, and, and she told him about the two boys that were smoking, and when Daddy got ready to whip us, I knew it was coming uh, because we had been caught. And when he got to Leonard, he just gave him just a couple of licks and, uh, because he had told the truth. <laughs> but then when he got to me, it, he said, this is for smoking and telling a lie about it too. And I didn't think he was going to never turn me loose. <laughs> But but anyway, uh, putting that behind, he was a wonderful, wonderful dad. But uh, and out of the five boys, three of us turned out to be preachers, and so we got to give him a lot of credit for that. But anyway, the, mom and dad was coming over to the house one night after we got married, and I had to tell you this, but I'd picked up a bad habit, and it was playing pool. I'd go over to the pool hall, and I'd play pool. and So I was never one that would do a lot of gambling. And uh, I just didn't, just didn't do it. Well, I couldn't afford it. And, uh, but anyway, we, uh, that night she was going to put some clothes. She had washed some clothes and wanted me to take them up to the, to the dryer at the washmat and dry the clothes. So uh, we lived there in town at Selma, so I took them on up to the, to the washer mat and put them in the dryer, and I decided to walk on over to the pool room while they were drying. And so they were playing nine ball on the front table. And uh, so uh, they were playing for a quarter of a game. And I said, well, I believe I'll get into that. And so I think there's four of us playing. And uh, so mom and dad came that night. And she told Dad that I had gone up to the washer mat to dry some clothes, so he'd come on up there. And so all of a sudden I saw him come in the front door at the pool room. And he, he figured I'd be at the pool room, so he'd come on over. I thought, oh. And here I was shooting pool for a quarter of a game. And so it come my time to shoot. I was the last one. There was the nine ball and, and so when I shot, I cut it into the corner pocket, 
and it, good shot. And they said, oh, my goodness, what a shot. And the security quarters started landing on the table. Oh, I wish they'd have kept them in their pocket. <laughs> but anyway, I picked them up, and I didn't say anything, and we left. And so we went to the store to get some drinks. And of course, they were five cents a piece at that time. And uh, so we went to the store and got some drinks, and uh, then he said, uh, I believe you got some change if you want to go ahead and pay for them. <laughs> That's all he said about it, but uh, I, I respected him highly, but I, I really appreciate my dad so much, and that's kind of how it was before I got saved, but then I was 28 years old. We'd been married 10 years, and we had three children at that time, Ricky and Sheila and Janet. Uh, all three had been born, and a man came in the store and invited us to come over to church. And so uh, they were having a revival starting on Wednesday night. Well, normally we would have just let that go in one ear and out the other. Uh, Elwood Daughtry worked there with him at the store, and he was the market manager, and I worked under him. And so he told Elwood, said, uh, come on over to the revival tonight and bring your buddy there with you. And so after he left, we said, started talking about it, we decided to go. So when our wives, they both had our cars that day, and they come to pick us up, we told them we were going to church. And I know that surprised them to death. But anyway, we, the four of us went. I don't remember who took care of our children that night. But anyhow, we didn't take the children with us, and we, the four of us went to church. That night, Brother Elwood and myself walked down that aisle together. And... Uh, and we both so gloriously saved, I'm telling you. Uh, Jesus came into my heart and my life as I knelt in that altar. And I'd been raised in church all of my life. I was not a Christian, but I wasn't raised in the church of God. I didn't know anything about the church of God. But I knelt in the altar that night, and Alton Woodard came to me, and Leslie Woodard's dad came to him. Uh, Leslie's the one that invited us to church. And so we both got saved that night. And uh, so uh, we went back home, and, man, I was so excited. Uh, two nights later, uh, I come home on Friday night, and uh, I come by the house to get eat supper, and I was going to get ready. And so I, when I got off of work, we come right on. Because I, normally on Friday night, we didn't get off till about 9 o'clock. But we got off a little early so we could come to church, and so when I came to the house, she was squalling. I said, what are you crying about? She said, I'm not going back to that church no more. I said, really? She said, no. And I said, well, I am. And so after I got off of work that night, I came back to the house on the way to church, and she was ready. We went to church and asked tonight. She got saved. Her and Brother Edward's wife got saved that night. So that was a tremendous revival. That was in 1966, 52 years ago, this last February. And uh, it changed my life. I mean, everything that I used to do, the boys at pool room asked, what's happened to Bill? And uh, somebody said, Bill got religion. I got news for you. I got more than religion. I got salvation. Yeah. I mean, something that changed my life 
joy. In fact, Peter summed it up by saying it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I'm telling you, joy came into my heart and my life that night. It was joy. And I wouldn't take anything for it. Uh, if you would say something to me, I would advise you if you're not a Christian, yeah. I, I wasted 28 years. I don't want to waste no more. I wasted 28 years. Uh, and of course, I'm sure you figured it out. Now, I'm 80 years old. And uh, I know I don't have that much longer here before I'm going to be crossing over to the other side. And man, when I get over there, I want to hear those words, well done. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter now into the joys of the Lord. And that's, that's exciting. Yeah. And I know it's going to happen one of these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've watched you with that joy. And I think that's probably been the thing that has impacted me as your son more than... Um, Gosh, more than anything else. You know, I've watched you speak and I've heard you preach and preach and preach and preach. I mean, you've been my pastor for my whole life, but um, watching you live it every day is, has, been, uh, has been pretty powerful. Um, you know, it's one thing to talk about a relationship with Jesus. It's another thing to lead your family. And, 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 and ladies, I'm, I'm thankful for you. And, and many of you play the role of, of wife and spiritual leader. You, you carry a, a tremendous burden. Guys in the room, let me just tell you, be the man God's called you to be. Lead your family. Leave a legacy that other people can follow. Um, I, I, my dad is, he just leads with joy. I mean, you can kind of see it, right? And, and it's easy to see it. And this is how he is all the time. There's, this isn't like church persona. It's not like he puts it on when he puts on his, his, his coat here, like it's a magic cape. Um, it's just the way he is. And, and I remember uh, watching you get mad. Um, and, and, and other people would lose their temper and, and throw things. You know, I've lost my temper a couple of times and I've thrown some things. I never seen my daddy do anything like that. In fact, I, I remember being in, in the yard one day and the lawnmower wouldn't crank and he's just pulling that thing. You know what I mean? He's just pulling that thing and pulling that thing. And, and, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough about it to tell you what happened, but the spring inside the thing came loose, you know, and it just, uh, rattled, rattled off. And, and I watched my dad, and I thought, here it is. This is going to happen. This is, he's going to lose it right now. I mean, you could see it. Sweat was dripping off his nose. And he started whistling. He literally started whistling. And whenever my dad started whistling when he was mad, that was him losing his temper. That was as bad as it got. Like, even in that moment, it's just like joy, truly unspeakable. And um, it's been a legacy for us, and I'm thankful for it. How, how can you help us in the room, okay? Because it would be easy to think, okay, you gave your heart to Jesus. You've been serving Jesus for 52 years. You're a pastor. How many past churches have you pastored? Eight, I think. Eight churches. I'd have to go back and He's pastored two churches twice. I've never heard of a pastor do that successfully. He literally left and went back to a church and did that with two different churches. That just tells you how he's left those churches. And, and, and it would be easy to think, well, you've never had problems. You've never had challenges. Uh, but you've had challenges. Our family's had challenges. We've gone through some stuff. So how has the Lord kept you? How have you walked through that kind of stuff and still had that joy you're talking about? How have you still had peace in the middle of whatever it is? And if there's something specific that comes to your mind, talk about it. I think the first, the first time I ever, I'd been around people that would lose loved ones. I had preached funerals. I, in fact, I started pastoring in 1974, years after 
we got saved. In fact, we got saved in February of 66. Started the pastor in February of 70. And, uh, and so I had, I had preached funerals, and I had seen many people that had lost loved ones. But I'd never lost anybody that was really close to me until my dad passed away. And he died in April 1970. And, uh, and I'll tell you, I, I felt like my heart would break. In fact, it, 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 just, it just felt so broken. And, uh, but uh, there was still a joy. Uh, even though I, I wept and, and I, my heart was breaking as my, we went through the burial period when my dad was buried, uh, my, it felt like my heart would break, but yet there was still a joy that was in my heart that Jesus had put there that Peter was writing about when he was, he was writing about this salvation when he said it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And it's, uh, it's a joy that whatever comes along, nothing can take it away. If we, we've been through some things and we're still going through some things. That if we didn't have God in our heart and our life, if Jesus wasn't living in my heart, I don't know what I would do. But I do know that when I, I realize some of the things that we're going through and some of the things that we have been through, uh, I've always had God that I can go to. And that's what makes the difference, that I can go to Him. Uh, I mean, I, we, don't, we go through things just like everybody else does. But I don't, I don't quite understand hardly how they can make it. And, uh, and some get mad at God when a loved one passes away. Well, dying is a part of living. You know, we, we know that one day we're going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And so we know that's a part of living, that we're going to die one day. So the most important thing is to know that we're ready to meet God. Uh, I see our time is getting away from us. <laughs> uh, I had a man that I visited up at uh, Goldsboro a few years ago. And uh, I visited him on a couple of different occasions. He was not a Christian. And, uh, and I talked to him. I went in and asked him. I said, Mr. Smith, wouldn't you like to accept the Lord as your Savior? He said, yes, I would. And I said, man, I thought then I, he, I, he was going to get saved. But he said, no, not right now. But I think it was our third trip back to see him that I prayed with him. And he accepted the Lord as his Savior. Eleven days after he accepted the Lord. He passed away. I told him when I started leaving the hospital that day, I said, uh, Mr. Smith, would let people know it. Nurse comes in, tell her you got saved. Don't, don't be ashamed that you got saved. You, it's a wonderful thing that happened to you. And so come home and uh, told the pastor, I was a member at the Princeton Church at that time. It was during one of the times I'd retired. <laughs> But anyway, we were on staff with the Princeton Church, and I told the pastor, the pastor in there, Pastor Trusty, then he called Mr. Smith's son, told him, he said, well, I won't believe it until I see it. So he went to the hospital. He said when he got to the hospital, his daddy didn't want him to tell it. He wanted to tell it. So he said everybody to come in, he was telling them he got saved. So then I had the privilege of helping to preach his funeral 11 days later and to say he 
was ready to meet the Lord. And I'm telling you, that's the most important thing of all, is that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. I got some scripture, and I know time's running out, but I, I do want to read the scripture that I, I think is something that's uh, that all of us as fathers should look at. Uh, here's what was Moses was saying that the Lord had told him. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them uh, diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest in the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them uh, for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt be as a frontlet between thine eyes, thou shalt write them upon the post of thine house and on the gate. In other words, they were getting ready after 40 years of traveling through the wilderness, and after being delivered from Egypt after they had been in bondage so many years. And they were getting ready to go into the land of Canaan. And uh, Moses was saying to the children of Israel, this is what God says. Tell your children. Let your children know the love of God. Uh, when, when I die and my children walk by my casket and watch me lying in my casket, I'm not so concerned about what I'm going to leave them as far as financial things. Certainly, I want to leave them something they could inherit and remember their dad. But more than that, I want them to be able to look at me and say, he lived the life before me. He told me about God. But not only did he tell me, he lived it. And I'm telling you, this is something we live every day. Uh, we do. We live one day at a time. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know whether it's bad or good, I know that God is going to be there to help me through that time. I, I can tell you that one of the main reasons I wanted to do this today is I just want to honor you. I want to honor you. The greatest sermon that you've ever preached is your life. And, um, and it's, it's a sermon we all have to preach every single day. People are watching you every single day. So preach your sermon with the life you live. It's legacy. It's legacy. Um, I want you to know that uh, we've been doing this for 11 years. This is our 12th year. And anything that's happened in this church, any person's life who's been touched, any family that's been touched in this city is an extension of you and mom. Um, you really are the spiritual mothers and fathers of this house. And we want you to know as a church that we honor you. We're thankful for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for letting us come today. Man, this has been wonderful. Just a privilege to be here and share with your people. And we're so proud of Anthony and Mary Ann and Blair and Micah. Because I know every one of them works in the church. Uh, and I appreciate what they are doing uh, to see the work that they have done. And, uh, and, and I'm so glad to see you back in them as your pastors. Uh, thankful for you and I'm proud. I love you. I love you. Would you just pray over us today? Let's have prayer together.